Hello there, and thanks for joining me in the podcast today. Children experiencing mental illness, children experiencing depression, children experiencing anxiety, children experiencing day-to-day stressful living. Let's take a look at the topic of young children and how parents deal with the issue when their child is experiencing a problem of some kind. You know, most of us have children, and almost all children at some point do have a problem. Now, what about the response? What do parents do in that kind of a situation? Well, about half of the parents of children, about half of them, admit in a survey recently that they do in fact worry about their child's mental health. So, of all the children and all the parents in our world, about half of the parents do in fact worry about their children, about their child. You know, when a child is sick and has a cold or has a tummy ache or, you know, is sneezing and uh, can't sleep or vomiting, how long does it take a parent to get that child to a doctor's office? Well, the research shows that within two days that's done. Within two days. However, when a child shows mental health symptoms, could be excessive anger, could be uh, stomach aches, headaches, not wanting to go to school, a lot of fights and aggressiveness, not wanting to eat, just being a poor loser. I mean, just a lot of different kinds. You know how long it takes a parent to respond with those kind of problems and bring a child to the attention of either a pediatrician or to a mental health practitioner? Two years. Two years is what the surveys tend to show. So if a child has a mental health problem, Two years for the parents to get that child to the appropriate care provider and get a proper diagnosis and get a treatment program started as compared to two days when it comes to medical conditions. Now, what we do know from our research that adults who experience depression, experience panic attacks, experience anxiety attacks, have kind of mental health problems as an adult generally have had that same problem manifest as a child. In other words, in their child years, they show depression. And then in the adult years, they really, full-blown depression is manifest. So, we see that childhood is a very important time in, in a child's life to detect a problem and get that kid into a proper treatment program. Now this is an interesting little development. Over the last, oh, let's just say the last six months, just take the last six months, I have had in my office three or four kids, usually boys by the way, kids or adolescents, junior high or high school kids, or sometimes elementary school, usually grade six, something like that, come into my office because they ask their parents 
if they could talk to somebody, if they could talk to a psychologist. So the parents brought him in. Now that's an interesting development, isn't it? The parents didn't initiate. The parents didn't see the problem and then say, look, let's get you in to talk to somebody. That wasn't the case. In three to four kids, just in the last six months, have come to me because they asked their mother to find them somebody to talk to. And their mother found me. And they came in and started talking with me. And all three or four of those kids continue to talk and continue to show benefit and continue to be grateful for the opportunity to talk to someone and get their anxieties off their chest and deal with it. Now, why don't parents bring children into a professional counselor right away? Why wait two years? Why don't, they, why don't parents develop kind of a sensitivity to mental health issues and say, if my child has a mental health issue, I'm getting them into a treatment program. I'm getting them into a professional who will help. Why don't they do that? Well, here's the fear. In a, in a survey, 83% of the parents said they didn't want to be guilty of overreacting. So it's kind of like saying, we're going to let my kid be depressed, we're going to let my kid be anxious, but I don't want to be accused of overreacting. Now, they don't do that when it comes to medical care. The kid has a stomachache, they don't wait two years and say, well, I don't want to overreact. They get that kid within two days into a health care provider. 12% of the population of parents surveyed said that they don't take their child into a mental health provider because it's too expensive. Well, with an insurance plan, co-pays are about 20 bucks on the average. And that's too expensive? All they're really responsible for is the copay. 20 bucks. No. Mental health care is not too expensive. And there is mental health care that's free in various communities. There's mental health care that would be on a sliding scale basis. It's not a matter of expense. It's a matter of the fear and the shame and the uh, self-image of the parents who are fearful of revealing that their kid has a problem. It might make them look bad as a parent. Now, let me ask you this question. How do you know a child is ready, is needy, for some type of mental health care? Might be have to be every week, it might be once a month, might be every other week, but how do you know a child should be brought in to a mental health provider and assessed and diagnosed and then treated if necessary. Well, here's come some of the things that we look for, or some of the things that I would suggest you look for in a young child. Here's number one, sleep. Do they manifest a disordered sleep pattern? Can't fall asleep, can't stay asleep, wake up many times during the night, have bad dreams, very disturbing sleep, restless sleep, won't wake up in the morning, refuses to wake up to go to school, that kid has a mental health problem, perhaps, and needs to be assessed. Okay, that's number one. Here's another one, very frequent. Troubled tummy. 
troubled tummy. That is, they have an irritable bowel problem, or they have frequent and repeated stomach problems of sickness and irritability and belching and vomit and uh, not being able to eat or not being able to keep the food down. Okay, kids with gastrointestinal problems may be experiencing a high degree of anxiety and a high degree of depression and therefore need to be brought in and assessed. Tummy problems. Okay, that's number two. Here's number three. Obsessive compulsive thinking and behavior. Compulsive behavior would be like finger tapping. It would be like um, having to check the doors and make sure they're locked. Check the windows and make sure they're closed. You know, make sure that something is done in a routine, regular pattern of behavior. Obsessive thinking is the same thought over and over and over again. Having a, a mind uh, that dwells on one particular word or one particular phrase or one particular thought, and then they just seem to repeat it and repeat it and think about it, think about it over and over and over again. That's obsessions. Wanting to wash their hands a great deal would be kind of an example of a compulsion. Okay? So that obsessive-compulsive kind of behavior pattern is a good sign to say, you better do something. It's a sign that uh, trouble's on the table. Better take care of it. Here's another one. When kids are disinterested in having fun, you know, you can lay out an activity that would ordinarily be received as a fun activity or enjoyable activity, and your kid says, no, I don't want to do it. Just sits and plays on his computer, plays video games, visual games of various kinds, and will forego activities that generally would be considered fun for kids. Going to a party, going to a social event, going somewhere with a family. They don't want to do that. They just want to sit home and isolate and withdraw and play in their own videos. That kid's in trouble. Here's another one. Explosive anger. Kids that just explode when they're mad, when they can't do something, or when something doesn't follow the, what they wanted or expected, or when things don't go quite right, or they don't do the right thing, or they don't do well, or they get a poor grade, or they get some kind of a rejection, or some kind of an upsetting situation, and they explode in anger. Here's another one. Kids that have dark thoughts. Kids that have morbid thoughts, morbid themes. They have imaginary play, but it's depressive. It's, it's evil almost. It's negative. You know, it's kind of like beating oneself up and uh, calling oneself stupid or degrading oneself and putting oneself down. Those are very definitely signs that you better do something. Now, there are many others. I mean, you can have a kind of a long list, if you will. But those are common things you look for as a parent. And if you see any of those or any combination of them, get yourself and get that child and get your husband and wife and the kids into a counseling program. Sometimes it's not the one child that goes to a counselor. It's all. It's the whole family that goes. Because if a kid is having a problem, the family's having a problem. If a kid is having a problem, dad's having a problem, mom's having a problem, and maybe the siblings are having a problem. 
And sometimes it's best to approach it as a whole family. But it's certainly best to approach it by both parents, whether they're divorced or not, whether they're married and together or not, but both parents coming in with the child and being part of a counseling program. And I might say that if you're going to look for a counselor, make sure, if, you're, if you have a child and wants a counselor, make sure that that counselor will talk to you as a parent. Now, some counselors won't. They have this some kind of idea that the child should be seen and never should talk to a parent. Don't go to a counselor like that. Avoid a counselor like that. Get away from a counselor like that. Because whatever counseling will be done will be done over a long, long period of time. And it will exclude you. And you won't know what's going on. And you won't know how to handle your child at home. If a problem develops, you're going to be on your own. And what they generally say, well, then you go get your own counselor. Don't do that. If your child's in counseling, make sure that the counselor will talk to you. My typical process is I will talk to a child for a half hour and then talk to the parents for a half hour. Sometimes I see the child first. Sometimes I see the parent first. Sometimes I'll see the dad. Sometimes I'll see the mother. Sometimes I'll see both of them. Sometimes I'll see the mother and the child together, the father and the child together. Various combinations. But I believe, and I think the research shows, that kids do best in counseling and in their therapy if their parents are connected and parents are part of the process and parents are learning along with the child. Cognitive behavior therapy is your best bet. When you go to a counselor, you, you don't know anything about them. You just ask, do you do cognitive behavior therapy? If the counselor says, no, I don't, then you may want to walk away and go somewhere else. It's cognitive behavior therapy that you want. If your child is going to talk to somebody, your child is going to deal with somebody, that's a matter of looking at ways in which you can alter behavior, can change behavior, can change ways of perceiving things, change ways of reacting to things. And relying on a rational way of altering a lifestyle and a behavior pattern of your child, but also you as parents and you as a family. So it's cognitive behavior therapy you're looking for. And you're looking for a therapist that will talk to you and engage you as a parent in the process along with your child. Now here's one other thing as a parent. Don't be chagrined. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be fearful that somebody's going to find out that you went to a therapist. Don't do that. Don't do that to your child. Because you're saying to your child, don't go. You're, you're telling your child, stay away. By the fact that you stayed away as a parent. I see kids. I see kids and mothers. I see kids who will not bring the father in. Or the father will not come in, even if he's asked. That's not good. That's not good. Dad, if you have a kid who's in counseling, you get yourself into that counselor's office and start talking along with your kid. Start learning. Start finding out ways in which you can be a better father, a better parent. Find out where the gaps are. Find out where the holes are in your parenting process, in your family life. Find out what the, what the real gig is, what's going on. Why is your kid having trouble? Why does your kid want to talk to a counselor? Probably because you won't talk to him. And probably because he won't talk to you. So a counselor can help bring you together 
so that you can begin the process of talking with each other and learning from each other and sharing with each other and being part of each other's life. Kids want a father that's bonded with them. Kids want mothers that will bond with them. Kids want parents that will bond with them, be part of their life, be part of their life experience, and counseling is part of it. So kids, if you're listening, get your parents to get you into a counselor. Get your parents to go with you. Get your dad to go with you. Get your mom to go with you. Get grandma and grandpa to go with you if you need to. Whoever is the relevant person, get them in there and start working together. You'll be glad you did, and you can get a lot of progress in a very short period of time by following these guidelines that I've just outlined. Hey, thanks for joining me uh, today on the uh, podcast. And um, we want to help our kids. We want to help our families. We want to help our parents. And this is one way. Get yourself into a process where you can talk to somebody, you like the person, you can talk to that person, and then stick with it. And for many of these kids, they get much benefit over the course of two to four months of regular therapy, regular counseling. Sometimes it's six months. But, you know, at least two to four months of working together with somebody. You'll be glad you did. And you'll save your kid a lot of problems down the line as he gets older. Because remember, people who are depressed in adulthood have a history, usually have a history, of being depressed as a child but was not treated for it. Okay? We don't want that to happen. So there you are. Go to my website, booksbyhedberg.com, www.booksbyhedberg.com. And in there, you'll find a list of books I've written, but I refer you particularly to the book, Doctor, Teach Me to Parent. Go ahead and order that book. It will be a great one for you as a parent to start with. And just learn ways in which you can enhance your parenting skills and make yourself a much more effective and positive parent in the life of your child. Be more intentional in how you parent your particular child. www.booksbyhedberg.com The book is entitled, Doctor, Teach Me to Parent. Okay, bye for now.